0: Forever, dog. When your first choice is a big old bus, you turn around and boom, boom. you end up with us. Five, seconds, oh diva.
1: Our number is two one three five three six. 9180. Our email is slobbysecondspart at gmail.com. Now on with the show. Are you ready for some slobby seconds, you stupid little fucks, you nasty little fucks, you dumb little fucks? I'm Big Dipper and that's Meatball. Welcome no. back to Slobby Seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball
0: Hello. I have a question Hello. for you. Hello. Do they make adult bibs? Because, oh, wait, you're frozen. Oh, no, you're back. You're frozen. No, do you... don't talk to me like I'm frozen. I'm fine. Do they make adult bibs? That's my question today. Are they just regular bibs, but you put them on an adult? Yeah, you go to Red Lobster and they have bibs. <laughs> because I spill food on my chest every single time I eat. Every one of my t-shirts has like an oil stain, a coffee stain, some sort of, like this morning I was drinking some green juice, stain, stain, stain. Every time I uh, drink or eat or something. I don't think I know how to use my mouth right. Well that's
1: Well, I think you might be trying to get it in there a little too quick and that's how it falls.
0: A little too eager.
1: A little too eager to eat. No, I mean, that's why I think I wear a lot of dark colors. Because anytime I'm in white, I'm fucked. It's just stains.
0: I mean, today I'm wearing a light shirt. I'm wearing my Thickies merch. And I actually, you know, the nice thing about being at home is that when the stain happened, I just went into the bathroom and I literally my shirt was soaking wet. Like a full circle of water because I just put water and soap on it immediately. But I kept wearing it. I didn't take
1: it off. That reminds me the other day I went to go drop something off at someone's house. So I was dressed like a complete slob. Am I still freezing?
0: you're glitchy are you on the good internet or the bad internet i think she's switching to her 5g network it happens every time but she never does it so it's every time that's all well i guess i could uh so anyway
1: i was in a bunch of shitty clothes i was uh, in sweatpants i was in leopard print crocs and a stained t-shirt and i went and ran errands because i was like well i'm out and I was I was covered in stains. I was so embarrassed. I looked like a mess.
0: Sounds like a serve to me.
1: Anyway, how are you doing today? You watching any
0: movies? Wait, do you have headphones phone? Oh anymore? my god. Do you have headphones in your phone? No. <laughs> do you remember that you have to wear headphones when we record our podcast? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh today really okay full disclosure and then we're gonna take a break and bring in our guests full disclosure meatballs embroidery machine broke this morning and you've been on the phone for how many hours
1: about three hours complaining with the company to fix it and they will not they refuse to take responsibility
0: so yeah
1: so after this break it's gonna be right back to the regular show we're gonna have a wonderful time my life is not a mess i have it all together and we have a wonderful guest who's seen me fall apart as a human being can't wait for the interview after this break by a bed
0: Welcome back! We are so excited to have with us a very special, world-famous guest. She doesn't really need an introduction. You know her from stage and screen, big hair, big dreams, the terminally delightful, Bendy Kram. Hello! Ah! Hi, hi, hi! Uh,
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: And thank you for silently witnessing our uh, uh, chaotic intro.
2: I mean, it was honestly the highlight of my... My quarantine. <laughs> oh, the, wow. but, the, but the, well, the bar's low, right? Like life is really <laughs> boring right now. So that was not that for was you. Like a treat. You've got no, a life lot can't going be on. boring
1: for you right
2: now. <sighs> I don't know, y'all. Listen, it's an emotional roller coaster. Every day is like, every day, whatever I'm feeling, I feel like I've been feeling for the last 10 months. So it's like, I don't know. Do you guys what? globalize?
0: What is, what is that? What's mean? globalized? It's what
2: my therapist tells me I do. It's basically Whoa. when you feel like things are good, you feel like everything has always been good and always will be. And when things are bad, you have like the same feeling.
0: Whoa. No. Yeah, oh yeah,
2: my brain is not great.
0: I feel like I literally do the opposite in order to keep myself sane. Like when something is so horrible, I go like, Well, it's just this thing that is horrible.
2: Oh, well, that's like what my logical, like, that's what I have to force myself. Like, that's how I counter it. But like my natural instinct is like...
0: Globalization. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, so just to clarify, you, a lot of people, you go by Dela for short because your name is in fact all one word.
2: Yeah, so Ben de la Creme is the full name. It's like, it's a very convoluted system that developed over many years, but um, but la Creme is the full it. name. Walk us through it moment by moment, yeah, year by year. Yeah,
1: take us through the whole trip. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Well, generally, I, you know, so Dela is the short in drag. Um, And then, like, Ben is my given name, which I, like, use day to day. But, you know, I mean, it's drag queen world and drag queen speak, so everyone just calls me Dela all the time, except for um the man I live with who calls me Ben. Like most of the time, actually, half the time, he probably calls me Dela.
0: Because you not only uh, live together, but work together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We live together, work together, quarantine together.
0: Talk about globalization. That, no, what's, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is that like? Have you been together since the start of it, or did you move in together halfway through?
2: Oh my God. So here is how this story goes. So we've Ooh. been together five and a half years, and we both lived in Seattle. Um, which is you know where we met, sort of. Except where we actually met was uh the Scruff app. But um, we <laughs> lived like a couple blocks away from each other, and we She's a scruff, yeah. uh started. <laughs> dating but I was kind of on tour all the time and our schedules were kind of opposite like at the time he like woke up super early and went to bed super early and like my schedule was the inverse and so we just never moved in together because it didn't like matter like we liked having our own spaces Mm -hmm. I Airbnb my place whenever I was on the road so it was just like cost effective that's how you do
0: it
2: yeah did you leave
1: wigs out for people to try on oh
2: no I was so secretive about it being mine like I had a Fake name, a fake profile picture on Airbnb. Ah! Like Jinx Monsoon, she rents her place. Well, not now, but normally she rents her place like as like a Jinx Monsoon themed Airbnb. It's called Monsoon Manor. It's this whole big thing. I'm like, I'd rather die. Like I do not want people to know that they're in my space. I'm very private.
0: Oh my God.
2: But so we lived separately for for years and we kind of talked about moving in together, but it just was like, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're together all the time anyway. We have our own space. So we moved to LA in March. March 1st, we moved to L.A. It was our first time moving in together in a new city. We went into quarantine March 14th, and we have not left our house since, except to go co-produce that film for a couple weeks in Seattle, which was... Also insane. So basically, just
0: that little film. Yeah, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about that little film in a second. Well,
1: the Queen of Hulu, Miss.
2: But like, if you guys ever want to test, if you ever want to test a relationship, move in with somebody and then never leave the house again. It is. Yeah, it's like ultimate nesting. That's what I'm doing right now. It's insane. Did what?
1: What's your deal? We moved in. We got this house right before like it all started going down.
0: Like, right at the beginning of 2020?
1: Yeah, basically. Well, we had been in it for about a month. We had thrown our housewarming party was a Christmas party. That's how recent it was. So then this all went down, and I was like, thank God we got out of a one-bedroom living together. Like, thank God it's a big house. But, I mean, it's been great. I I have no qualms. It's a lot just seeing the same person every day. And now it's at that weird point where we just kind of do our own things right. for most of the day yeah. and then, like, come and hang out at night.
0: And I moved out of a roommate situation into a place by myself. So now I'm sort of, like, nesting by myself. But I got here, like, a few months ago. And that's when the numbers in L.A. just started getting so crazy. So I need a fair amount of things. We talk about this all the time on the podcast. I'm like, what one item of furniture should I buy next? But I want to buy stuff in person. So I'm just sort of like waiting in this like half furnished apartment. It's like, I have everything I need. I don't need a rug. So I'm going to like wait till I can go rug shopping. I, when we
2: moved in, like I... So, oh my God, everything feels like, it's like, I want to say everything. And I'm also like, like preemptively bored by what I'm about to say because it's like this, you know We've what I mean?
0: We've all been through
2: it. Uh, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, so when we moved, I actually was keeping my place in Seattle because I go back and forth there so much. Right. And it was, again, it was just like whatever I Airbnb at when I'm gone. Um. And, uh, and then of course, like all the work dried up and Airbnb wasn't a thing anymore. And so we, we lost the place, but I had left all my furniture there. So all my stuff, like, like, fortunately I had a friend who could put it all into storage for me, which was great. But like, we were still living in this empty box with no furniture. We literally didn't have a sofa for like the first two months of quarantine.
0: Which is the it worst. It
2: was Awful.
0: <laughs> That's what Dipper's dealing with right now. I did I do have a couch right now, but it's it when you're like, okay, I either sit in this chair or lay fully horizontal in a bed. These are the options. It sucks. And I'm the same way as you. Like, I'm really
2: into nesting. Like, my environment is, like, very, mm-hmm. you know. So I – and I want to shop in person. Like, I'm a right. retrofile. I want to, like, go pick through, like, cool vintage stuff and, like, love everything I look at in my home if I'm stuck there. And it's literally, you know, it's like all you can do is buy shit on the internet. And it's just – it's so hard to – it's so hard to know what you're getting. It's all just
0: – It's very much like – um. Derek Barry recently posted, you know, that old, that good old standby meme of when you see it online versus when you get it in person. So she, and shout out to her for this. She posted a photo of Tina Burner from season 13 in her Tin Man look and Derek Barry from season eight in her Tin mm. Man look. And she said. With all the hems, <laughs> What it she should be versus here, what it was. A ham here. Oh, what a my here. God. I love when, I love when queens understand that they can be in on the joke you okay well you're someone who not only can be in on the joke you write the joke you produce the joke you uh (laughs) put some slick slick uh filter on the joke you also sell the joke uh to a streaming service and like literally your holiday special with jinx you so directed good. it, wrote it, self-produced it, and now it's streaming. And it built this set. Right. I mean, you did. <laughs> Painted it. Well,
2: I, listen, I was I in know there, there are because, a team like of that's how you do it. I didn't like, I mean, I did not hammer and nail that thing together myself.
1: No, no yes, you did. <laughs> Lie. Tell the people lies. <laughs> Tell them you built it all by yourself.
2: I was in there painting until like 3 a.m. several nights in a row right before we started filming, which is like not, not anything I would, like, first of all, don't start an indirect a film. Just don't do it. <laughs> and if you do do it, you know what? Don't stay up till three AM painting the stairs.
0: <laughs> well, we had Jinx on the show to talk about the holiday special before it went to Hulu. It was sort of like this like mm-hmm. promo moment when we were telling everyone to go to the website, and then all of a sudden, like that, it's streaming everywhere. That was amazing.
2: Yeah, it was really. I mean, I was not expecting that. It was very. Um, it was really just like kind of a, a dream because it happened. Like, we released it on the website, and it was this thing where when we started talking about doing it, we were like, okay, we want to, like, figure out how to get it up on all platforms. Like, we've never done this before, right? And we only started doing this, like, the thought crossed our minds in June, right? And that's not how, like, getting something onto a streaming service works. Like, that is not the timeline, right? And obviously, it's super competitive and everything else. So we were like, okay, you know what? We're going to self-release. This is how we're going to do it if we make something that like endures then maybe we can try to you know pitch it to something in in a few next year or whatever um we were out for 2 days when um when we heard that Hulu was interested which was wow like mind blowing <laughs> like if you like, that's definitely the most, like, affirming moment I've ever had with, like, an art-making thing. <laughs> like, yeah. It, yeah, It was pretty cool. And I did not imagine it. And I did not imagine it. And, you know, it took a couple weeks for, like you know, it all to get put through. There's a lot of technical things and a lot of paperwork. And then I didn't want to say anything to Jinx until, like, the ink was dry. So it was literally, like, two days before it happened that I told Jinx. But I called her. Like, I was like, can we FaceTime? And she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just need to FaceTime with you. And I started it and I was like, Jinx, I'm really sorry. I know that we wanted to sell this next year and we're not going to be able to do it. And I just, like, and I, like, set this whole thing up. And I was like, because we sold it this year. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but then it was, like, right, because I wanted this big, like, explosive response from her. And instead, she, like, stayed upset because she still was, like, in the emotions that I'd set her up for. So I was like, well, that was a full-on failure.
0: (laughs) It's not always how it looks on the sitcoms. (laughs) So you said that y'all started it
1: in June. So how long did it... It takes the whole process because I'm so interested in how you did it.
2: Not long enough. It really was, you know, <laughs> I really did not know what I was getting into. And I'm really glad we did it the way we did it. Um, if I it's that thing where like if you would have known, then you might not have done it. But I'm kind of glad, you know, it just was yeah. it was like we were just in it. It was like shit, well, here we are. Um, but cause things like this are just not made in this amount of time. And fortunately, mm-hmm. I was able to pull in we shot in Seattle because that's where most of my resources are and I was able to pull in a lot of people in the Seattle indie film world, which is actually like fairly established and you know, there's right. a lot of film being made in yeah. Seattle. Um but I had a lot of connections through friends and I was able to uh bring on a lot of people who were much more experienced than I had any right to be able to get on board. Uh, And which was great because everybody worked super hard and was really, really talented and brought so much more to it than I could have dreamed. But I really just heard over and over again, like, how much this was not done in this kind of time frame. <laughs> and, um,
0: and what do you mean? Just mostly about time frame?
2: like Yeah, I mean, it's just everything is like really intense and time consuming. And um, so basically, we kind of like came up with the idea in June. Jinx and I were like, well, okay, we're going to write a screenplay like faster than we've ever written anything. Um, you know, we adapted some old material and it started kind of as this idea where we were like okay, like, let's pull some old material and, like, kind of weave it together and adapt it to screen. But very quickly, I was like, that, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to do, like, if we're going to make a film, if we're, if we're going through all of this, let's just, like, let's make it the best thing it can be, right? right? So we really, like, focused on, like, okay, how is this a screenplay, not a script, you know? Um, and then, so we busted that thing out kind of unreasonably quickly.
0: And then it was just
2: like, God, d- d- uh, we went into pre-production, which of course is like hiring like a production designer to like work on the set, like getting everyone working on costumes, like started, like hiring a director of photography, which is a DP, which never stops making me giggle. And- um, you know we were like storyboarding the whole thing. It was just like it was it was just like all day everyday work until we started filming in September. We shot the whole thing in ten days in September, ah! which was a really, really i mean we were doing some eighteen hour days well was, and i oh my God I feel like
0: maybe you posted this or or Jinx posted this or maybe from the uh the movie's Instagram post, but it was something like you know note to self, don't shoot four drag looks in one day. Uh, or whatever. Did that really happen? Where you had to bounce around because of the filming? Oh well, yes. Well, I I figured I say, that would in happen. In the movie, I was you know, shocked.
1: There was like costume changes that there, like y'all didn't even make a reference to. It was just like the camera moved and y'all were in a new costume. I love <laughs> and a I was throwaway. Like, this joke. is exactly what we need.
2: I love a joke that you don't address. Like I love yeah. not being precious with something. Like I feel like some people, I think, like performers or whatever, like like, do the thing where they spend a bunch of, like, time or money on something, and then they're like, I have to, like, now display it for as long as possible. I think it hits so much harder when you, like, you're like, boop, there it is, and then it's gone or whatever, Because yeah. <laughs> you know? then people are like, wait, what? You know?
0: <laughs> um, one thing that I have learned and still continue to learn, especially as I work with new people, like you talking about having these, you know, indie film resources in Seattle, I assume part of the reason was maybe other productions weren't operating. And so people were like available, but I, I, I know for me, like when you, when you, when you meet with someone, you have a production meeting with someone who's like a total pro. And then they go like, And who's going to do this, and this, and this, and this? And you go like, ah, okay, there are five more jobs on this project that I didn't realize are jobs. You know what I mean? Well,
2: you know, we were so lucky. Um, uh, A huge, like, starting resource was Peaches Christ, right? She's She's brilliant. She's a super good friend. Like, we've become very, very close over the years. And she is also a filmmaker. Her movie, All About Evil, is, like, an incredible, fully – produced film that right. I think a lot of people um, who haven't seen it, I mean, it's like shockingly good. It's an incredible like horror movie. It stars Natasha Leone. It's so good. Anyway, um, she was like, when I started talking to her about this, she was the one who really broke down like, okay, these are the departments. These are the jobs. These are that. So I kind of started knowing oh. that. And then, uh, I had a really good friend. I have a really good friend, Wes Hurley, who directed the Capitol Hill series that I was in. It's like a it's a YouTube series. Yeah, it's yeah, now on, MTV. yeah, yeah. And he also just uh, finished shooting his first feature, Potato Dreams of America, which is like his life story, like growing up in like as a queer kid in Russia. It's it's oh very wow. Um, but he also just was like super. I mean, so generous, right? Like that's the thing is. I feel like you find these artists who are really, really talented and good at what they do. And if you're really secure in your art, you have zero fear of sharing your resources and your knowledge, right? And so we were really lucky because I never would have known any of the things that had to be done. We very quickly realized that our budget was like, needed to be like four (laughs) times what it was. It was... (laughs) But we were also lucky because like you said, it was like pandemic and, you know, I got to work with like an amazing group of people who I think agreed to do it within our budget because they were like inspired and thought it was really cool and worked super hard because – I mean, and it was especially hard because we were all, you know, it was pandemic time. So, like, on set, like, everyone had to quarantine for two weeks before we started. On set, everyone was covered in PPE. We had to have, like, a COVID safety supervisor who was, like, going around making sure everything was legit at all times. The cast and crew had to have separate spaces because the cast obviously has to be unmasked part of the time. So, they're more vulnerable. Um, It was really wild and really hard. And it made everything harder than it would have been otherwise. But I really... The feeling on set was like joyous and I think it was because everybody was happy. Like we did not have time and we did not have money, but what we had was people being so excited to make this thing and that's honestly the only reason it happened. That's cool. so incredible. That's the And lesson? I think it reads on camera. Like I th- think oh. the thing feels it was- joyous. Very. It was very fun to watch.
1: I will definitely be watching it again. I had such a wonderful time. I think it's so interesting that like you have created this new lane for yourself. That's um it's something that not a lot of queens are doing where you become your own like creative director and you take care of everything on your own. Um is that like I don't know, it's just so inspiring to see you out there doing that. I just wanted to say that yeah. cuz it's so Thank cool you. to see other like comedy queens working and making their own stuff.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's it's kind of me getting back to how I really started because I've been producing like theater stuff on, you know, smaller scale. I started like 14 years ago in Seattle and this was how you do it out of necessity because you have no resources. Like I was building sets. I was hot gluing costumes together because I do not sew. I was making the props. I was doing all that stuff. And it was like literally like, you know, like staying up all night carving like backdrops out of like foam. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was that kind <laughs> Yeah, of I thing. know exactly what you mean. And then you, and I continued doing that for a long time. So that kind of like full creative control was like a part of my pre-drag race life. And then I think, like, after Drag Race, you're sort of like, oh, wow, everything's bigger, and it's, like, all these things, and you start to kind of, like, outsource more. And at some point, I was like, I miss making my own stuff. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. interested in other people's – I mean, I'm interested in other people's visions being out there in the world, but it's not what I want to work on. Like, I want to work on my stuff. And so I actually feel really – like, happy that I feel like I've gotten back to my roots just on, like, a larger scale, which is great. It feels really good.
0: Well, we have a question about your roots, but we're going to ask that right after this break. (laughs) Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, 20% off your next box. That's code sloppy seconds, 50 at factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds, 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. While your subscription is active. That's a sleigh, baby.
1: Do you die? <laughs>
0: Do you die?
2: Your hair, the root. oh,
1: your
0: roots. I was like, oh my God. <laughs>
2: No, I was like, in the end.
0: In the end. In the end. No, okay, so here's my question. We're back. Uh, We're back. Here's my question. Have you ever seen Wicked?
2: Yes, I have. Can you do the,
1: you know, from Defying Gravity? Okay.
2: Well, well, I can't because it. I literally don't know what you're talking about because I forgot all of Wicked as soon as I finished watching it.
1: She's floating up in the air screaming defying gravity and she lifts her broom and yeah, she gives you, you a know, go. I could never, it's ah! like
2: listen, is that art was, that you
1: don't want to see in the world?
2: Wicked was a production that I loved watching because it's such a spectacle that is the kind of musical music that makes me want to run into a heavily trafficked street like I hey. cannot stand ah. that style of music. It's too much
1: you know what style of music I enjoyed you bringing back was when you and Jinx were singing in the round. You were singing over each other, and that. it was it was so good. And I was I was like, how if I was ever on stage and someone else was talking or singing, would I continue to keep talking and singing? That must have been so difficult. Well, you have to rehearse, meatball.
0: You bitch, what? <laughs> okay, so this is this is where we run into some issue with meatball about the 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 work, the work. And the rehearsal. No, I'm just kidding. The work? The work.
1: I like to do the work. No, you don't. The
0: rehearsal, I no,
1: I enjoy doing the work. The rehearsal is where I get um, very nervous that I hate everything that I've ever created in my entire life, and then I freak out. You, I think that's you healthy, do, though.
0: Yeah, you you are really that person who, like right before it's go time, you're like, this is all horrible. I'm going to leave right now. Yeah, and then I have to just power through it
1: and put it out to the world and be like, hope someone likes it. I think that's so
2: important, though, because I think that, I mean, people who go around, like, who just have, like, a constant sense of confidence about whatever they're putting out there, like, how hard are they really trying, right? Like, you have to have a level of, like, constant panic (laughs) in order to be upping your game and, like, trying, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, this is my question about your roots. Meatball and I have said some inflammatory things on this podcast in the past about the art form of burlesque. Uh, in our Wait, mind, what did I say? well, at least I, I feel like you agreed with me, but I very much feel like when I see burlesque, it's like, Oh, you mean take off my gloves? Do you deserve to see my butt? I'm like, Just stri-. if you gonna strip. If you're going to strip, just strip. Like the whole tease thing, I'm not into it. Now, I know that you are very much entrenched in the burlesque scene. I see on your face, there's just so much. Well, I'm also just like, I'm
2: like, I don't know, some people aren't into like Thai food. It's like, who cares? It doesn't legitimize it. Like, you don't have to like it, you know?
0: (laughs) I think I've just been exposed to a lot of very bad burlesque.
2: Oh, for sure. Well, it's just like any art part. I mean, like, also, come on, how much bad drag have you seen? Most drag is like... Drag is not good inherently. It's like any other <laughs> art form. It's like, well, it's just not. That's it's like so music true, isn't though. good. That's the, that's the title Painting of the Painting isn't good. <laughs> Films aren't good. Like, they're good if they're good, you know? Right. So yeah. And most of every art form is not good or everyone would succeed at it, you know? And I don't, like, that's not a read. I love, honestly, I am impressed by anybody who's putting work out into the world there's nothing i despise more than people having opinions about other people's art or work or performance who aren't actually like in the ring um so i respect anybody who's like doing it but most art is like not great so like if you dip your toe (laughs) into any art form the likelihood that you're not going to see the best of it is like high
0: Um, So do you feel like in Seattle you were more mixed into the like performing arts burlesque like, show theater world than you were, like, the drag scene?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, all that said, all that stuff aside about, you know, whatever, like, that (laughs) remains true. But I also do love burlesque. Like, I really did come up in the burlesque scene. I did not work in any sort of, like, drag scene very much at all. Like, I occasionally Ah. popped in to, like, be the sub-host at, like, this... um, drag bar in Seattle like when they needed somebody fill in for their host. I would like do you, you weren't doing death drops at our place? I was not. Um but like even so I was living in Chicago when I first like got exposed to the burlesque world. And um but I will Wait. say
1: Oh so you're a Chicago diva. I was <gasps> But you don't fight people on Twitter. You don't act like a Chicago girl. <laughs>
2: Bitch, I'm from Seattle. No, I um, <laughs> I feel like Seattle is truly where my, my heart lies. Um, But I'm not even, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in Connecticut, which is why I'm so, like, fussy and people-pleasy and, like, <laughs> repressed. Um, Wait, so when did you move to Chicago? I from- went to school in Chicago, so I moved there when I was, like, 18, and then... I went to school for a little while, then I dropped out of school, then I hung around Chicago for a little while. Then I Art moved school, to
0: right?
2: Art school. I went to the school, the Art Institute of Chicago, yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah, very, very we fancy. We love art I've,
0: school divas here.
2: Yeah. I mean, the only thing more, it's like, it's. <laughs> I don't even know. It's like, what is, I just feel like I'm so glad I caught on to the uselessness of a BFA before I bothered finishing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just... I mean, th- I am so grateful for my education there, and I'm, like, really glad I just kind of was like, okay, I got what I needed out of this, bye. Like, that was a hard decision, and I, like, felt really worried about it at the time. But I I learned so much there that I employ in my work now still. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, I just, you know, whatever. I bailed before I had to do all the, like, math requirements or whatever. Um, <laughs> I was like, I mean, I still can't. Like subtract, but um...
0: we got a calculator.
2: <laughs> okay, but burlesque,
0: burlesque. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, burlesque. Our question. Yeah.
2: Okay. Starring here's Christina the
0: thing. Christina Aguilera. Go ahead.
2: I really do. <laughs> oh God, no, no, Dipper. That <laughs> that that film is not, what I love
0: just, about burlesque.
2: Whether no. it's <laughs> whether it's a good film or not, there's just no burlesque in it. That like it's no. like oh, it's pussycat dolls. Right. It's
1: pussycat dolls dancing around I've and never then made they're it. fighting
2: about air rights I've for never about an it hour all the and a half. through. I've the never only, finished burlesque. The
0: only thing remotely burlesque about that film is that they dance on those. What do they call them? Cabaret chairs. At one point, oh yeah, you know yeah, the yeah. wooden chair with the circular. Black seat? a wheel with juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we keep interrupting you, but you discovered burlesque in Chicago, right? I did. Yeah. So, um I actually like I think
2: burlesque is an amazing art form in the same way that drag is, mm-hmm. but in some ways burlesque is more like what drag was pre-drag race, right? It's like undiscovered, it's underappreciated, it's underground. It's like harder to dig out some of the the best burlesque because you know what I mean? Like it's it's niche. Yeah. Right. And and the rules are fewer, right? Like as drag becomes like a bigger thing, we see more drag looking more like other drag. Yes. Whereas burlesque is like it's still so regional. The Seattle burlesque scene looks different from the LA burlesque scene, looks better f- different from the New York burlesque scene. Right. You know, it's um it's uh I really think still has, and it's not that that drag doesn't exist, obviously. There's a lot of, like, subversive, weird, cool drag going on. Of course. Um, But I just feel like you find that more easily in burlesque because there's not, like, a different expectation. So, Yeah. yeah. Um, But when I started uh, finding burlesque, it was, I was working in Chicago. I was going to school, and I... Um, finally, like, turned 21 and could start... Like, I'd been doing drag for a long time, just, like, in my own little world. But I... The second I turned 21, I, like, found, um, the competition in town, which was Drag Race at, at Roscoe's. Roscoe's right? yeah, 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 yeah. So this is, what, Ooh. 17 years ago now?
0: Yeah, they've been calling that competition Drag Race forever.
2: Yeah. So I... God, how old am I? Am I thirty nine? Eighteen years ago. So, um, I uh, bleep it, <laughs> bleep it. So I no, I'm proud of it. I'm super yeah. proud of being almost forty and still being such a weirdo with very little uh, direction. Um, but <laughs> I, um, uh, you know, so I, I I went and I started competing, and I think they liked me because I was like young and full of energy. And sorry about it, very pretty. Um, I was Mm -hmm. like way more like I, like, I was very like, I was very like pretty, you know, I had like the more minimal makeup, whatever, like people, I was never trying to look like a quote unquote real girl. What does that even mean? But like, I got that a lot, you know?
1: Uh, Um, Okay.
2: So, so people, you know, so I, I went over really well when I first sort of entered the scene and I won a couple of those, um, you know, competitions, and uh, and I started getting gigs pretty quickly, but it was almost immediate. It was like a lot of the places I was working, um, it was either like pageanty ballady drag that was like very serious, or it was like top forty. And mm. I just wasn't doing any of that, you know. And what people, would, what
0: were you lip syncing like? Uh, well, initially? at the
2: time. Um at the time I had a totally different drag character. <gasps> she was like a punk riot girl. Her name was <gasps> Tina Angst. And uh and like my first uh my first song that I uh competed to was Decepticon by LatiGra and uh-huh. I did like a lot of like the slits and the raincoats and um just like I don't know a lot of stuff like that and uh and like a lot of like peaches like a lot of the you know like a lot of the um uh Oh my god, what's the fucking they only want you when you're seventeen? You know, it was like that genre. It was like spanning those genres. But Oh, uh, um, okay. So I, I was I can't imagine that. you being a little dark lady. Yeah, well, I'm very she, versatile.
0: She is very versatile. She has and the range. Not to bring it back to the, the the television program that was broadcast worldwide, but we did get a little, we did goth, see a little gothy oh, yeah. moment on Austin. Goth
2: Kitty was fully a callback to Tina to Angst X, for me. Incredible. Wow. But so I used to do all that stuff, and it was like at the time, that just wasn't what was being done in the bars I was in. So people were like, didn't love it. You know, they were yeah. like, you know, and I also did a lot of stuff that was like, you know, people were doing kind of stand and deliver or dancey numbers. And I, like, tried to create little narratives and little stories. And people were like, what are you doing? And then I was living in the dorms at the time. And I met um, this person named Billy, who was part of the Chicago Kings, who at the time was this huge drag king troupe. And that's yeah. how I know Paula Dipper, yes. who was our mutual friend. Paula and, Abdul? Yes, yeah, Paula, Paula Abdul, Abdul from the Chicago Kings. Uh, yeah. Yes. She was their movement coach. (laughs) (laughs) So I started, like, I started going and checking out King's shows, and they were doing this stuff that was so, like, they were doing these solo numbers and then production, like big production numbers that were like stories and they were political and they were like feminist, but they were funny and they were messy. And there were all these things that I just wasn't seeing in the drag queen scene. So I started performing with them and I was like the queen in the Chicago, well, the, the drag, there were, there were cis queens. There were Mm -hmm. cis female queens Mm. in the Chicago Kings, but I was like the one male body drag queen. And It was so satisfying. I'm still friends with quite a few people that I met there, um, like who are some of my closest friends. And the overlap was that some of those uh, queens or femmes in the troupe also worked in the world of burlesque. So I started going to these burlesque shows, and it was similar. It was also that vibe. They were storytelling. They were political. Mm. They were funny. They were doing things that I just was not seeing in drag. And that's – how I got into it.
0: Did you did did you do shows with Les Bobo the clown?
2: Oh my god, yes. Amy Miller <laughs> yeah, is like Amy. one of my close friends. I love her.
0: Amy? Les did, Bobo? Yeah, Les she was Bobo. brilliant. And she would do balloon animals and it was yes. And I, I I there was a moment right in the like early um aughts, or we had Ginny Lemon on last week and she called him the the Nauties.
1: naughties, naughties.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> in the early odds when I mean the the Chicago Kings that was like rock star shit that was like the the ticket in the town right
2: well, and the um so one of my still somebody that I'm very very close with was uh is this person named Gwen who was one of the Sissy Butch brothers who was Chicago King adjacent but they per they started producing this like this show a couple times a year called Gurlask Burlesque, right. and it got really big. And the and they did this huge show that and this was when Margaret Cho was getting really into burlesque, and so mm-hmm. she was like the headliner. Mm-hmm. And it was a bunch of uh, it was like some of the best performers in Chicago, but it's also where I met Indigo Blue, who's a Seattle uh, uh, burlesque performer who runs, uh ran like the Academy of Burlesque out there. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that's how I got connected to Seattle burlesque scene when I moved was through Indigo. But um but it was just it was like this huge event in this beautiful theater. And, you know, and not only did they have these sort of weird They had, like, a great variety. They curated it really well. There was, like, classic burlesque, you know, what you expect, bump and grind, super bizarre, like, edgy stuff. Um, And then they had Margaret Cho, obviously. And then uh, they brought in also, and this is some of my favorite stuff about burlesque, is they brought in this burlesque legend who sadly passed away a couple years ago. But she was one of my... So the legends in burlesque are, are women who sort of, not all women, but mostly women who performed um, like basically from like the inception of burlesque, which is as it exists today, like kind of like, you know, it's, it's not that old of an art form. But yeah. there's a lot of these women who are now in their like 70s, 80s, 90s who were Love these burlesque that. legends. And they still, sorry, I have so many tangents here, but- um, No, it's okay, I love it. It's literally, like, seeing the legends perform is incredible because these are women who were, like, pioneers and who were embracing sexuality in this, like, subversive way at this point where they were, like, they were, you know, I mean, obviously everybody's story is different, but you hear a lot of stories about sort of this underground scene where- much like what the drag scene was at one point, it was like you were reviled by many people, considered a pervert, considered an outcast. But it's this whole beautiful scene, this network of women who are kind of creating this sex positive world. They were working for themselves, right? There was a lot of, it was not, I mean, I would say even more than now, it like wasn't a super male Dominated field in terms mm-hmm. of like there were a lot of women in command, and then there were a lot of like fucked up things with with men being dicks as well. Um, you know, making money. There's always going to be like straight dudes making a dime yeah. off anyone, but um, absolutely. But these stories are like incredible, and so Satan's Angel is the <laughs> name of the performer who I met. She was the first legend I ever saw perform, and she was in this burlesque show, and she was like huge in the 60s just this gorgeous like Russ Meyer looking bombshell like huge hair cat eye liner like the craziest uh-uh. silhouette you've ever seen and she, when I saw her, I think she was in her 70s. She had had, like, sort of, like, all of her, like, sort of classic, like, and, you know, those costumes in those days, they were not, like, the plastic beads and whatever that were in, you know, they were, like, hand-beaded gorgeous yeah. gowns. And she had them. Money, exactly, Expensive.
0: Yes.
1: I
2: want a Dangly. And- this <laughs> 70-something woman would had the, all those costumes let out to fit her. She had her huge, still her huge 60s falls. She got on stage and she commanded that stage like nothing you've ever seen. Was she as, like, nubile and, like, movement-oriented as she once was? Probably not. But she knocked back a full bottle of vodka by herself before ah! she hit that stage. Ah! She went out and <laughs> Satan's Angels gimmick in the 60s and still up to the day she died was fire tassels. And what that means is that when she stripped down to pasties, she had tassels that she would then get a martini glass that was filled with lighter fluid. She would dip the tassels in lighter fluid. She would light them on fire and she would spin them. And that was her gimmick and she was brilliant and she was such a rock star. Like you felt like you were at a rock concert. She literally would just like She was so vibrant and so present. She at one point saw like, oh, and she was a huge les and she loved butches. And she at one point saw some like hot butch in the front row. And she like skids down on her knees, spins her fire tassels, like points to her crotch and goes, fuck me. That's literally Ah. what she said. And this is like, I mean, this is, I'm like, who is this amazing woman? That's my
1: type of performer, baby.
2: And I have to tell you, burlesque Hall of Fame is this annual event that happens in Vegas not this mm-hmm. year but normally and it's this big international competition you see just like incredible performers I've had the pleasure of uh judging a couple years ago oh, and cool. um which was which was a huge honor um but they uh they just have some of the greatest talent from around the world and they have a night called Legends Night and it is all just These older women doing their classic acts and they range everywhere from very like you know, classically what you expect, but to see these much older women, like, really just putting all their sexuality right out there, and it's a reunion, right? I mean, these women all knew each other. They were all in the circuit. It is beautiful. It's gorgeous. I would go to
0: that. Legendary I would see that. Good. I don't need to see any amateur burlesque. I'll watch amateur other things, but there's something about burlesque to me that's like, if you're not a pro at it, I'm not interested. <laughs> well, we all started amateurs. But that's
2: hard as to amateurs say because, dimmer. yeah, we
0: all started, like, Yeah, and I think great, other people like, enjoy I, watching Amateurs, I just don't totally. I
1: do. I like watching someone grow, I like watching the first 15 minutes of their performance,
2: and then maybe like 10 years later, I'll watch the last five minutes of their performance. You
0: know what I mean? Dipper, you're like the burlesque
2: equivalent of people who won't go see a queen who wasn't on Drag Race.
0: No, that's <laughs> not yeah, true. That's
1: right, because he never comes to my shows. <sighs>
0: that's out of uh, that I have to do self care, and that my self care <laughs> is not seeing you perform live.
1: Well, we'll be right back.
0: Okay, we are back, and one big debate that is happening right now on the internet that I would like you to weigh in. It is drag race specific, but and it is a... Chicago girl specific. No, everything, every opinion about anything is Chicago girl specific.
1: <laughs> I check I check on what Bambi Banks thinks, Lucy Stool, and Miss Toto. Yep. I always check with the three of them first.
0: If you're looking for news, that's those that's where to go. Um, this is the debate. There's a lot of conversation about designers making clothes for contestants on drag race and it being a sort of smaller pool of the same designers. Whereas, you know, you'll see an episode and you'll be like, Oh, the same designer made four of the looks that are on the runway. And how much is the designer influence? How much is it the drag queen and a team of stylists that they put together? And there's this clip going going around online of Raja talking about how amazing the idea of putting a drag outfit together from separate pieces, like how styling and your character comes through. And that in a lot of the newer seasons of Drag Race, it looks like they're showcasing designer talent or stylists dressing up the queens mm-hmm, so people mm-hmm. are talking about that
2: i had um, no idea i had no idea oh. this was so controversial but well, i
0: don't know that it's controversial <laughs> it's just people are people are conversating about it
2: don't they know that people just stormed the Capitol? pull together people get your priorities <laughs> in order
0: i think people are looking for five minutes of relief from the insanity of our
2: world my entire twitter feed is only people like rioters at the capitol and the new sex in the city series that's all anyone that's all to i'm seeing today. too it's but so, my question like,
1: is is the guy with the bullhorns do you think he pulled that together from separates or oh, was that a, a diego
2: montoya no i would say that felt very <laughs> see that that's like maybe exactly what raj was talking about and it was like a really distinctive makeup look so yes. i don't know let's get yeah i'd love to hear rajas <laughs> <going on. laughs>
0: Listen. Um, so, are I you curving? Are you curving my question?
2: No. What's I the don't question? Understand, though? What like, the what's the question? Pro- like, what I think? Like, what?
0: Yeah. What you think? I mean, I, I think, I think without without being catty or getting into, into the nitty gritty, there are clearly some people who have gone on that show and just paid for every look and yeah. they're just wearing it, and it doesn't really say anything about them as a queen. And then there are other people who are 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 basically showing themselves in a 360, you know, and the culture of being on a worldwide television program has influenced people to be like, oh, I just got to buy all my costumes.
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's any number of things. I think it's really too bad that there's so much uh, pressure on queens to, like, have th- – uh, like expensive designery stuff uh, on that show. I think that, you know, I mean, we've certainly, it's like, I don't know. I think so much of where what's like exciting about drag is that kind of like pull it all together, figure it out kind of. Kind of thing. And now that's not to say, like, don't get me wrong. I have all my shit made. I don't make yeah. my own clothes. You run around and custom but, all the
1: time, Mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, it's like the valuing of one over the other, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's, I don't think one is right and one is wrong, but I do think that there uh, is, like, right? Like, you watch Paris is burning and they're not, like, they're creating things that look expensive and couture with zero resources. And mm-hmm. that is, a tradition of drag it's not the only one but it's you know i don't think that is as valued anymore and i think that that is like unfortunately this like it's like this classist thing that's now built into drag where it's like not everybody has the money to afford that and that doesn't mean they're not a amazing queen you know exactly um but i i don't know i mean i'm such a i'm a costume queen I like everything to match from head to toe. I do not do separates personally. <laughs> I think that, like, I love when other people do it together. I think Willem is an example of somebody who does separates so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's like I want the fabric on my dress to be the same as the fabric on my gloves, to be the same as the fabric on, like, uh, on my headband, to be the same as, you know. And it's like yeah. that's, to me, that's, like, funny. And I and I like the look. And it's, like, very Hanna-Barbera, which is, like, one of my big fashion inspirations inspirations. inspirations and um i just i don't know i mean i think people have their stuff made people who have their stuff made either are like a clothing rack or they're like somebody who really knows what they want and have a vision and i like to think that anybody who has like a really cohesive character and dresses their character in a way that always says this is the character this is the character this is the character like I have my stuff made, but I designers hate me because I barely let them design. Like I, you know, I'm They're more I'm of a technician, so,
0: kind of, <laughs> you know. And that's not
2: for that's not for everyone. Like it's, right. you know, but um, but fortunately, I found people to work with who are like willing to just kind of like execute my drawings or like yeah, stuff right. I send them. Um, but like I pick all my own fabrics. Like I'm really like I'm super anal and control freak in that way. So you know, I think there's that, and then there's the thing of like you know, here I am, here's my body, hang some clothes off of me, which I personally find less interesting, but hey, whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's no way to say, that's a perfect way to wrap it up, I agree 100%. And there's no (laughs) way to say if the person um, who paid for the designer actually had a say in it or not. So until like I hear the person that they're complaining about say... If you have the money to buy it, honey, buy it. That's what I got to say. If if you're going on that show and you want to win and you want to look your absolute best and you have the resources, do it. But like, I don't
2: know, make sure it looks like you or don't. It's not
1: my life.
2: It's their life. But I think that's like how you can tell that difference, right? It's like if you see, if it's like people are wearing stuff by different people, but everything they wear screams them and there's a consistency in like the vision versus I know that a lot of these queens it's like they get accolades for coming out in something that looks drastically different from everything else they've worn and I'm like that's not quite as interesting to me like Mm -hmm. I want to see what your vision is and how you carry it through but I'm a character queen and that's what I like
1: yeah I'm a character character queen queen. some of these queens are literal models like that's what they that's the be all end all for them so if that's what it is I mean Simone Clearly, she spent a lot of money and stuff, but those are obviously inspirations that she's taken and made into an uh, an
2: outfit. I, she is beyond. I really isn't like, she like, the
1: greatest?
2: i this is so into her.
0: I just wanted to say, meatball. I feel like it's not clear that she spent a lot of money. It's clear she just knows what the fuck she is doing. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, just a couple of the looks she's turned out. They don't. They're not dripping in like we talked about glass beads or expensive stones or like whatever. I Even, just know a
1: Polaroid is expensive. In that dress.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like let's talk about it. It's like you 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 zip tie or connect a bunch of Polaroids together. Like that's fifty bucks. That dress. You know what I mean? It's like she but wore the, the little howie bead, Dr- like half cape thing. That was gorgeous, honey mama. Of course. But those things, that's about, that to me is about her personality and her taste, and not like she's like spending five grand yeah. to get someone to build something. Her you
2: know, vision like, comes yeah. through, and she's an yes. example of somebody who showed really different looks, but they all feel cohesive. Like, yes. I believe that that is her vision. Like, that mama said, knock you out look oh. is one of my Ooh. favorite things I've ever seen. And the performance involved in it, like, that was so much of it. It's like nobody threw this on you. Like, this is not wearing you. You are giving me a full performance with this this is clearly your vision because nobody can nobody can go out there and deliver an outfit that they're not attached to in the way that she did she is the ebony enchantress That's oh, it. god i love her
0: all right it's time. she has our- not
2: returned my dm on instagram by the way she's the only queen simone we're calling
0: you out right now on the air <laughs> you must respond to dayla All right, it's time for our final segment, (laughs) which is called Fuck
1: Talk! There's that that wicked riff again that you pretend to never heard. This is the portion of the show where we ask our guests some uncomfortable questions about sexual relations that they may have had in the past. uh, Or they could tell a fun, crazy story. Um, Dipper, do you have any crazy sex stories you'd like to tell?
0: No, I'm re-virginized. I have <laughs> what's <laughs> that what's that quote from that movie? I have seen uh oh is that like a wanna... terror quote. Anyways, you're you're welcome to share. <laughs> some people some people get a little um uncomfortable here. I know that you are married, uh and you could talk about your sex life or not talk about your sex life, but I will say you put out a quite a sexy music video as a part of the special, the Santa, yes. fa-la-la. Santa Falalala. Santa Fall Honey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That talk about sex. Well, now, is You're, that a that departure? One really hit. That,
2: people for really you, liked
1: that one. What was it like being so sexy on camera?
2: Oh, it felt very... I mean, I... Like, people... Whatever. It felt very normal. Like, you know, I've been <laughs> blessed for so long. Like, I, you know, like, I've done so many very dirty performances that people are... Like, I never deliver them to be sexy. Like, they're always... They're always comedic. But I also... But it's just whatever. I've been doing burlesque for many, many years, right? Like, I've done many strip teases and whatever. So it actually felt like way getting back to my burlesque roots. And all those performers in that video, those are my burlesque people from Mm. from Seattle, right? So it was just me and a bunch of people I've been friends with on the stripper stage for many years, just, like, having a good time. It was actually really, really great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was fun. Um, I don't – God, I am not – well, I by no means feel like I am – Like, Gus doesn't give a crap if I'm up here talking about, like, whatever sexual stuff. So, like, that's, like, not an inhibitor for me. We're, like, whatever. Um, But... But I don't. I don't know. I need like a. I need like a a, a prompt or something. I don't know where well, to go with um, this.
1: Like one time, I was leaving a gig in WeHo and I was dressed up like a big baby with a poopy diaper. <laughs> and a man pulled up in a car and said, <laughs> "Would me. you like to get in?" And I did. And then he um proceeded to blow me in in Vaseline Alley, where all of my friends could walk by and see while I was dressed like a big baby.
0: Anything and weird? You, you were you were padded, <laughs> were you not?
1: Yeah, so it was a swamp down there. Wow, it was like... the end of the night at FUBAR, so I was drenched in sweat. Do you ever hook up and in, in makeup?
2: in a baby in a baby outfit? Um, no, we, uh, have <laughs> in I ever? That no, Santa not album? really. I really, um, you know, one thing about like I love that there is a lot of queens who like you know getting like. Like getting down getting in drag, their backs like blown out of their in thing. drag. Yeah, exactly. Sex. You know, it's a beautiful tradition in our community. But I, um, <laughs> but, but I personally, it's just like never been my thing. Like it's just like it's like there's nothing that feels less sexual to me than being in drag. Like it's like you know your junk is all smashed well, up. And, you course it up real tight. Oh yeah, I course it really hard. And that's like I mean, drag just like hurts. Like I don't mm-hmm. want right. to be. I want to. Like I wanna feel good during sex. I don't wanna
0: be, you know what I mean? Like it's just and um You're like, uh the fabric of the dick has to match the fabric of my head, which yeah. has to match the fabric of my dress. Exactly.
2: <laughs> it's too much. And the sequins really chafe. But I um have you know, but there's definitely like a lot of really like um it's not that I've never been tempted because there's a lot of really hot people who wanna hook up with you when you're in drag, who you like. You know, I'm like suddenly I have access to tens when I'm in drag and I'm like, oh, that's a shame. Would you like to um w- <laughs> would you like to see me like you know, naked and pale with my corset lines and my like it sound <laughs> good with my with my mascara running down my face? Um
0: How long does but, it take for corset lines to go away? I've always been curious about I'm that. Still I'm still waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've woken process.
1: up and still had them on my side from, like, the night before.
2: Absolutely. Well, I've earth. gone through phases where I'm corseting so tight for so long that I just fully have scabs, like, line scabs, mm-hmm. like, down my middle. Yeah. It's not fun. I, I
1: had one corset that I was like, oh, it's always so uncomfortable. And I didn't realize that for the longest it had just been stabbing me.
2: It had oh, just yeah, been, like, entering worst. my skin and when coming the out. break. Yeah. I've had that happen where a like a bone will break right at the top of like a solo show. And then for an hour and a half, I'm just being like stabbed with this metal dagger and fully bleeding when I take my corset off.
1: Well, I turned to my boyfriend, I was like, hey, is there something in my back? And it was the fabric from the corset that had been ripped off was shoved into my skin. (gasps) And he like pulled it out. And I was like, all right, well, I gotta throw some duct tape on that baby. Those
2: are expensive. I want you guys to know that I'm really not <laughs> avoiding the sex question. I'm just honestly racking my brain and it's not that I haven't gone through like I am What about like an uncomfortable
0: weird college sex story? like a hookup like, where the person like was a very got weird wrong. or they had an animal or they were like baking a chicken pot pie or something. Or they were like
1: I... don't go into that room and then you'd go into that room cuz you think it's the bathroom and it's their
2: grandma. I mean, Th- one that thing That happened
0: to me. <laughs> it did? Yes. <laughs> Hundred percent. It wasn't their grandma; it was their mom. Because I skew older, so but it's same oh, age. Oh no!
2: Spread. Yeah. Uh <laughs> wow. So I um. <laughs> God, I really. I, the thing is that I was kind of a slut in college, but I was also really drunk all the time. So it's hard to remember any of that stuff. Uh. Um. Uh, I feel so boring. One time in college, I met a guy at, at this rooftop party,
1: but I had done so much cocaine that I couldn't come. So we just, like, watched a bunch of porn together after he came, and then he finally was like, I gotta go. And I was like, yeah, this isn't gonna happen.
0: Isn't that sad? Were you doing all of that on the roof? No, I just... No. You just met at the rooftop party?
1: We met at the rooftop party and walked, like, two blocks to my house.
0: I have a question about drinking, because... Um, Are you going to start doing it again? No, 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 no.
2: But, um, Do you want me to just tell you what it's like?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious what it's like. No, for me, I'm always curious about like, you know, it's like you think about, oh, when you drink too much, ultimately you end up throwing up. And I've had a lot of conversations with sort of like... Uh, career alcoholics in their life and they would say oh at the end of the night I would make myself throw up so I'd have less of a hangover in the morning you know it's just like part of it. it's like it goes in and it comes out and like whatever I was think about people having sex when they're drunk mm-hmm. I just feel like I would it would be so easy to throw up on someone whether you're oh. kissing or anything
2: I mean when I was a younger amateur with like a less you know I mean this is. I feel. Wow. I'm like really. This is like. These are things I have not revisit. I certainly have not talked about in any sort of public forum. Well, but so that,
0: yeah, sexuality is
2: what a beautiful thing. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Um, but you know, there's definitely like a thing where when I was like younger and definitely like like to hook up a lot more and like to drink. Um, it was not like an unregular occurrence that your gag reflex would be triggered and you just kind of like hope he didn't notice and keep going. Mm-hmm. Like you just kind of like. Swallow it
0: back down. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like maybe, and I don't know. I don't know what that experience was like for the, my assumption is that they were drunk Drunk enough as well not to, not to put it together, but you know, who knows?
1: I don't know. I threw up a a bunch of Cheetos on a guy's dick one time. (laughs) No, cheesy, no,
2: cheetah, goldfish. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it was something orange. It was something
1: orange because it came up and tasted like cheese and, and Did tequila. Did it fully come up
2: or was it like a... Fully like
1: came a, up all over it. him and he was like, what the fuck? And he had to take a shower to get it off. And then afterwards, he came back to the room and I was like, so you you want to keep going? And he was like, no. Hmm.
2: Curious. I would have
1: given all me those right. cummies. I would have said, you know what? I'm going to shower your vomit off my dick and I'm going to bring it right back to your mouth. <laughs> It's not like there is anything left in me. Dale, don't give me that look. Dale just no, this is smiling
0: a look of approval politely. and appreciation. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> All right, well listen, we've made it to the end of the show. <laughs> we appreciate you for being here, being so open and sharing so much with us. Um what what do you have to plug?
2: Uh well, um I'm you know, I mean who freaking knows what's going to happen with this year, right? Like I've actually been like trying to mop, map out the next few months. So I would um but what I will say is I that, would that too. the <laughs> the the Jinx and De La Holiday special is, um, I think, I think whether it's the holiday season or not, I still think that it's a pretty enjoyable watch. And it's like obviously very, um, it's like focused on Christmas, but I think they're universal concepts. And I think it's, um, I know a lot of people who've still been uh been watching it um and it's still available at jinxandala.com for rent or purchase anywhere in the world or uh, if you have hulu you can see it streaming on hulu um so i hope people will continue to to check out the chinxandela holiday special
0: yes um okay that's it we did it thanks so much for listening to sloppy seconds you can follow us on instagram at sloppy pod you can send us an email at sloppy seconds pod at gmail.com or call in with your fuck talk story meatball are you gonna sing the phone number
1: yes 213-536 two, two,
0: Nine one eight zero. You can follow us on Instagram at
1: Big Dumber Jelly and Spiciest Meatball, or me on Twitter at That Drag Meatball. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode, which now come out every Tuesday and Friday. I don't think
0: you just need to say now. Oh, it's written there, but we—it's ri- I'm just reading the lines. We've Ooh, been ah! doing it for long enough. Okay. Bye, Dela. Bye. Bye Dayla. Dayla. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
1: Okay. We didn't even talk about the time I stole your phone. No, your uh, Instagram.
0: Your what?
1: I took over <laughs> Dela's Instagram.
2: You didn't steal it. It was. A gift. I might.
0: It I could have.
2: I could have. <laughs> I feel really. I'm like. I'm like I know that I've had sexual es. Ex- ex- <laughs> like, are I know like, I've
1: had sex. I've had sex before. I, I have know had it. sex. Well,
2: no, I mean I just can't think of anything that's like actually interesting, but I know it's happened. Here's- it's to because come- we've
1: been locked up in the in, in our houses for a year. We've forgotten all the fun things we used to do.
0: The other thing is, well, it's been look- a
2: while. Like I have not been like like I was like um I was like a madman in my earlier twenties, but
0: I will say typically when the world is open, you know. I, I, at least, uh, and back when Meatball was single. Uh, have you ever been single while we did this show? Maybe in the very, very beginning. At right? the beginning, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I would come in with three or four sort of insane stories about not loving myself and the behavior I would engage in. And that would often <laughs> trigger something from our guest's past. Uh, but as of now, we're sort of scraping the barrel with our memories of like... uh, yeah, I feel. like I I'm thought told about that. blowing my neighbor when I went for a walk the other day because I could see his dick in his pants. But I don't know if he's gay or not, and there's a pandemic, so like that's my sex story.
2: We're leaving all of this in.
0: Oh yeah, all right. Let's. Well, they were saying stop.
2: they were saying blowjobs were safe for a while, but that's probably not true with the new strain or whatever. I mean, they were saying I, as long as there's a glory hole, right? There was yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like. Yeah. I think that's sanctioned. real. I mean, it's but then about where droplets. are you
1: going to go to find a glory hole, or like what? Well, I got to make a glory
2: it, hole now.
0: Set it up with a person.
2: Yeah, I mean that's not. You just cut a hole in something. It's like that's
0: right. And you say you it. wear a mask, and I'll suck your dick, and we'll have a wall or a sheet between us, and no droplets from your mouth will go to you. And or you, you can know. have a
2: designer create it if you're uncomfortable doing it. <laughs> okay, let's
0: end. Let's end. Let's, end, let's, end. let's end
2: doodle a do forever dog
1: to listen to sloppy seconds ad free and one day early sign up for
0: forever dog plus at forever dog podcast.com slash plus Sloppy Seconds is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Hosted by
1: Big Dipper and Meatball. Music, editing, and sound design by William Pitt.
0: Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, and Alex Ramsey. Our artwork was drawn by Christian Cimarroni. And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey.